Welcome to Continuing the Conversation. I'm Carl Lamuzu. And I'm Glenn Collins. Continuing the Conversation is one of the ways that we are trying to create space for an expanded dialogue and interactions based on the conversations that we're having at Fos Church. This expanded dialogue helps us to step into our vision of creating space for everyone to find hope, beauty, and purpose in the story of Jesus. Where we can become a community rooted, we become reduced to love, and we get to enter a place of reimagining our faith together. Far too often, we try to sum up leadership in a church under the catch-all title of pastor. But what if God has a bigger picture for equipping the church? What could local expressions of the body of Christ look like organized around the gifts that God has given us? This is the question we've been trying to seek and engage in this series. So if you've been walking with us these last few weeks, you'll have heard that we're moving from a book called Church's Movement to where they focus on what they call polycentric leadership, or rather than a, a single point of, of hierarchy or control, you have multiple places that can give vision to the community. Um, this would be known as APEST, and they work generally from Ephesians 4, where it says that Jesus gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And these five types make up what we like to call the fivefold gift to the community. And this will be the lens that we're stepping into. So we're not saying it's the once and for all reading, but this is a way that we think we can expand our notion of leadership for more people to participate. So this week, we're going to be focusing on shepherd. Yeah, so this past Sunday, we talked about how shepherds are the soul healers of the community. I would say the midwives of restoration, the ones that guard and guide creating spaces of healing and safety you know, for along the journey. Shepherds are the ones who model this tough will guiding and guarding into wholeness and healing in the world. So Glenn, any thoughts before we jump into the head, heart, and hands questions? Well, before we jump, to, jump in, recently I just got to hear a um, quip from Trevor Noah, who's a, a comedian, that there's times that shepherding can actually come through the, the act of comedy because it brings some insight on how we can be. And he said, in this tense climate we have, that we need to learn the difference between affected versus offended. That if you are affected by an event, it's more than just being offended. Because I can be offended at a great many things if you disagree with me or you think that this isn't the way we're supposed to go. But where we have to be attuned, this is actually something that I think is very appropriate to the notion that Carl brought up, like the metaphor of midwife. Um, you can be bothered by some of the events of the act of giving birth, but it's about bringing life forward. So it's who's affected in this. Are you enabling life to come forward? So in, in this notion, as we step into this, we want to keep that in mind that as we talk about fivefold, as we talk about leadership and where we hope to go, that we have to be able to be somewhat aware of ourselves so that we can be able to parse the difference between am I being affected by this? Does it actually tangibly touch harm or do something to me? Or am I just offended by this, that there's something about things that make me upset? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, one, if you can quote Trevor Noah on a podcast, you're probably doing a good thing. Um, and second, the idea of affected versus offended. Like I think about the way that uh, you know a lot of the churches that I've growing up in and things like that, or been a part of, and again, this is not to talk trash about any one church or anything like that, but I think there's definitely this notion that we try to create community from a sense of let's, do, let's not offend somebody. 
Um, and we actually don't deal with the people who are being affected by certain things, right? And I think like when we create community, we actually probably need to reverse that and be like, okay, who's being affected? Who's on the outside? Who are the people who are being pushed to the margins and the fringes? How can we bring them closer? And honestly, who cares if it's offending people in our community? Because reality is like, you know, if you're already in the church, awesome. If you're already part of a community, awesome. And if you're offended by bringing new people into the community, you probably need to check yourself. Like, that's just some quick thoughts right there. And this is where some of the idea, because when we hear shepherd, sometimes we just think of a soft grandpa person hugging, coddling. But shepherds, at least around the, the earlier times, the way that metaphor was used, had an idea towards leadership. And with, within, within that place of the caretaker, they actually hold the edges of the community open to make sure others can enter that the affected can actually find space so that if you're just offended, you don't get to close the borders. Definitely. Like, obviously, like, when we think of shepherd, man, like, I, like, if you grew up in the church at all, Psalm 23 comes to mind, right? And the idea of a rod and a staff, you know what I mean? Um, they're not exactly comforting tools, if you ask me, but somehow they're comforting, right? And so I think there's probably that notion of, dude, offended person, shut up. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, create space for the affected, you know what I mean? And yeah. I think there's definitely, as, as a shepherd in the community notion, um, they're going to be the people, I think, that are actually going to create space for the affected. Um, and that's where I think actually that, that combination, if we want to begin to talk about multiple gifts, even mm-hmm. where like where the prophets are going to speak up and say, hey, look at the affected people, then the shepherds are going to be like, okay, clear space, let's make space for them. And that's like that working in tandem part. So just to kind of make an example of that even. Absolutely. So the way this generally goes is the conversation centers around three questions of head, heart, and hands. The head question is usually a structural or a um, idea of, of a thought. The heart is a reflective moment that we get to say, how does this then impact? And then the hands asks us, how do we tangibly start moving towards? So in light of that, moving towards the head question, Carl, what benefits and drawbacks could come from activating shepherds within FOS? That's a good question, man. I think the benefits that come from activating shepherds within FOS is like, when I, when I begin to think of shepherds, I think of like the people that actually help to equip others to actually create welcoming spaces, right? And so if you only have, you know, let, let's just take, take mine and your kind of base types. Mm-hmm. So if you have apostle slash prophet, uh, teacher slash apostle, um, we're going to give you lots of ideas. We're going to give you lots of vision, uh, but we're not going to create spaces necessarily that are super welcoming, right? Let's just be honest about that. There's a reason why people kind of were like, yo, that's a great idea. And then don't show up. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea of activating shepherds within the community is actually activating those agents of like hospitality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a few people in our community that they wouldn't say, oh, I'm, they would say, oh, I'm not a leader. But at the same time, they lead the community by actually creating these welcoming spaces. And um, at least what what I've noticed with within those, it's, it's the benefit. But for someone who's a little bit more um, production minded, like where are we going? It's a drawback because it hurts. Shepherds slow things down. True. Because hospitality takes time. Space takes time. Creating room for the affected over the offended takes time. Yeah. And if you're saying, I have the spot to go, I, I can see it, let's just start marching, let's start moving. Um, the shepherd is going to grind you because 
They're like, we have to keep the pace for everyone to move with us. We have to give people time. So there'll be that voice in the community if you're one that's a little bit more goal-oriented, asking you to pause for your own health, to pause for the community's health. Definitely, definitely. And like, I would look, you know, like the key word that I like to use when it comes to shepherd is present, right? Like shepherds are the ones that, that demand presence. They will be present with you and they will equip you and teach you how to be present with others, right? And so being present as much as like, I would like to get that done on a 15 minute time slot, you know what I mean? Let's schedule out our coffee. We had it, we drank it. Now time to go. Um, shepherds are like, now nah, hold on. Like this takes time. Like I, I think of the people who have shepherded me in my life and it's been like years upon years upon years commitment. And sometimes I feel sorry for them. Cause I'm like, man, you've taken so much time to, to be present with me. Don't you get tired of it? And they're like, nah, we love it though. Because that's just how they're wired. For me, I'm like, okay, cool. We hit a goal. We did something. <laughs> are we good? But shepherds high five, let's move on. Exactly. Or in this day and age, you know what I mean? Maybe air high five because we don't coronavirus and all. <laughs> <laughs> but that also brings us to um, what can be the potential shortcomings or drawbacks. It, often the um, shepherding lens is, is seeing a little bit more of the micro, the small scale. How do we have people around? So they're not concerned for movement. Like Carl said, it's, it's the tension between the gifts that help create a living, active community. So if the prophet is saying, hey, do you see the marginalized? And the shepherd is saying, I can create space for them. It'll come into tension with, with the prophet saying, yeah, but we still have to move somewhere. We still have to get something done. Yeah. And so that, that's going to be the immature um, shepherd is going to be over identifying, um, overly connected to the offenses or wounds of those they're trying to shepherd so they can take their offenses onto themselves, which in its development can have you um, always siding with the first person you hear who could sound as a victim, always trying to overly emotionally invest yourself into um, every story of pain. Absolutely. And I think even like what we talked about with Trevor Noah, the affected versus offended, it's actually as shepherds, I think we get, there's a, there's this notion to get drawn in to the offended because they feel wounded, right? Like yeah. they feel hurt in that moment. It feels very immediate, but we're at, we begin to look at the, the, the offense versus how it's actually affecting the community. And that's where I think shepherds, like the drawback huh. comes in is that it's so easy to see the wounded part. It's so easy to see the, the offended part that the affected part doesn't get yeah. seen. But reality is, is that shepherds are also ones that when the affected part rises to the surface where it's obvious, it's like, okay, cool, let's make space for that. So it's like that's the benefit and the drawback kind of surfacing in the same space. And that's also if, if you resonate with that voice, the one who creates space and hospitality, it's a good way to, to ask a self-reflective question of how are you maturing as a shepherd? If you're able not just to see the offense, but to see the effect, if you're able to say, okay, I can, I can hear your pain, but not personally identify with it. And say, how do we move towards health by becoming concerned with the people affected by circumstance? Um, you'll notice a larger ability for you to step into this role in a healthy way that um, I would imagine, because this is not my primary drive, um, that would be less emotionally taxing for you. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And uh, yeah, like I think like, you know, people that are like highly empathetic, you know, em empath empathetic to other people, you know, they have that high empathy gift. Um, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna probably be naturally wired yeah. that way. You know what I mean? And, and so they're, they're definitely a blessing to the community and they're people that make you feel included, loved and, and 
you know, be fully present with you. Um, but let's, you know, let's sometimes like we can get so focused in on being present that we also don't, we forget that we're on a move, as you said, like, you know, yeah. it's, it's the church as movement, not the church as being stood still in one place. <laughs> and so um, with that, it's a natural segue into the heart question where we get to ask the, re- the reflective moment. And the question for this is, do you see yourself in the gift of the shepherd? If yes, what ways and what about the gift resonated with you? If no, do you know someone who fits the description of the mature or the immature shepherd? That's a good question, man. Like, it's, it's been interesting because in this last season, um, I would say that, like, my phase gift, or like, like to use the language from the book, phase gift, which is like a temporary, you got to step into it for a season gift, um, would have to be shepherd actually. And so because of that, when I begin to ask other people about, okay, like, how do you guys see me? Um, a couple people now, like two people, and it's been weird. They've been like, man, I think your secondary gift would be shepherd. And I'm like, no, nah, that's weird. That's, that's horrible. I don't want to be a shepherd. They're like, well, probably because you hate it so much is probably why you're it. And I'm like, I don't hate it though. It's just... That's not what I. That's not what I am. Um, but at the same time, because I've had to function in it, um, the shepherd gift for a season, I do resonate with it. But I don't see myself as it per se. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know some other folks that are definitely shepherds in our community, and that's a beautiful thing. And I'll come back to that. But how about you, man? Um, nah, I I do not see myself as um, shepherd role. Although I've had to function in it at times, because all of us will have to function in areas that we do not feel is our strongest gifting. Because we don't just get to select life, ministry, or the church and say, I'll only enter ex- explicitly on my terms in all points. Because mm-hmm. that, that becomes, that takes away from the, the ability of the community to be community, and you come in from a power position. So at times I've had to be shepherd, and recently within the community, to walk along um, slowly, patiently. And I'd say that's been the biggest learning curve for me is the amount of patience it takes because this isn't something that is just developmental. You can't say, so you have this theory, you understand this point of history, so now let's move on to the next section. Um, This is something that the processing time is a matter of almost, um, if we're going in like we've said before, we like to use the phrase gardeners of grace, but in order to garden well, you have to rework the ground often. Yeah. Um, and it seems like shepherding is that act of reworking the ground so something can grow. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely something I'm learning. But what inspires me is I, I do know people who naturally um, move in this way. And yeah. can, we, can we pause on that for one second? Because I just have a thought that yeah, just yeah. about what you were saying Get it. about that. Um, I think like it's just a good point to bring up with what Glenn is saying where like you can sometimes have to function in a gift in a season or learn from it. Like when the idea of APES is not it's not trying to lock people into one thing. It's like, oh, okay, like you're an apostle or you're a shepherd mm-hmm. or you're whatever. That's all you're going to do. Um, it's almost one of those things that like all of us have access to, to function in any of these ways if we have to. Um, but we're just not naturally wired certain ways. And maybe even like I would almost think as a spiritual like discipline like to actually try to, to see like what would it look like to step into the shoes of a shepherd or an evangelist or whatever, mm-hmm. just to actually begin to get that perspective because we can all function that way, even if it's not the way that we're wired, but it also helps to give us perspective for the way that we're wired. Yeah. So like as you were sharing, like with your season, yeah, yeah. like you've had to step into it and it's shaped the way that you actually teach. It shapes yeah. the way that you actually lead 
you know, within so the community. It might be helpful for us to um, say that uh, this five-fold idea are like five access points to the community. So it's not picking which one is definitive, like Carl said, but it is allowing you space to know how you've been wired, how you've been created to say, I understand my, my most naturally life-giving area would be teacher, shepherd, evangelist. Like That's where I, I just fall into it out of habit. But each one of these is an area that we can learn how to access the community. Definitely. And as we grow in it, we'll learn how to access it in a way that cultivates life for those around us, not just frustration for ourselves learning. Absolutely, man. That's, that's great, man. So you were about to talk about knowing somebody. Yeah. It's like, well, wh- one of the men who um, showed me that dedicating your, yourself to um, a life of ministry could actually be life-giving since I'm prone more to exact detail uh, would always challenge me when I would, I would get stuck on a conflict and say, well, do you love me enough to let me be wrong and love me anyways? Now, granted, just to let you, I was um, 20 at the time. He was 87. He was right. I was arrogant. But as the act of... I noticed, sh- I noticed you didn't say wrong. <laughs> <laughs> But as the act of shepherding, it, it was um, unique to watch his presence with me, that he never allowed the conflict to separate. He always found a path to stay present, that he often challenged me towards um, beyond this debate we're having to say, do we still get to be rooted together? And that was one of the most beautiful things. I saw that was affecting every part of a Bill Pritchett's life. Every life that he touched, every community he was involved in, he created space for rootedness that people felt like they belonged, they were seen, and their their very ability just to show up was something to celebrate. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Yeah, like um, there's, there's honestly like the shepherd. I think has been someone like a type or gift that has actually been so beneficial in, in equipping and shaping me within the church, and so so many. Um, examples come to mind um, so like I feel almost uh, at, at an impasse to be able to name anything specifically about it but there's some instances that pop up into my memory where there's people who you know like they, they're, they're definitely the shy ones in the community or like they're not the most outgoing people in the community um, that have offered those like most beautiful moments of shepherding because you can see where their natural like wiredness just comes out. They, they can't help but be the person that just offers that kind of space, you know, for people. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm just thinking through folks right now without any saying any names. And there's definitely a handful of people that pop up where it's like, I'm so thankful for their gift in the community. I'm so thankful that they are shepherds in our community because they've definitely, on more than one occasion, um, created space for other people to be present. Like even in the language that we use sometimes, like like me and you can be super technical in the language that we use. Um, and it's like, technically that is correct. And it's like, dude, why would you write that down? You know what I mean? <laughs> can, you, can you write something that would actually invite somebody to be present, please? And so I'm so thankful for their voices in our community. True. So let's jump into the next question, the hands question. Like, And then the hands question again is just, how do we practically step into this, right? And so what practices could allow us to equip, empower, and facilitate shepherds in our community? It's like if we're personalizing this to us, 
I say probably one of the practices that we could do is slow down. Um, That we organize some of the community things to say, what is it just to hold space together? Mm -hmm. Because it's not always about trying to develop um, a system. Sometimes it's just about having enough time around each other that you develop as people. For sure. That's a good point. Yeah, I I would say... um practices like for our, if I, we are speaking against for our community not against our community but for our community um is definitely that slow down idea right because i think from from different perspectives there's going to be a lot of a tendency to want to move towards this is what we could be there'll be tendencies on this is what we should be and there'll be tendencies on this is how we can structure it um and teach it mm-hmm. um but all those things tend to actually kind of kind of push people at a certain yeah. pace that they're not able to necessarily sit down, be present, and actually build relationship with one another first and foremost. And so, like, if we're going to be a community that's on movement together, then we need to be a community. And then let's implement the movement parts, right? Yeah. And, and then so definitely with the shepherding aspect to that, I think to equip our community or equip shepherds in our community is to actually create space that is slowed down enough for them to actually be able to say, hey, we can function here. Um, to empower them would be from that same same idea. And then to facilitate it, I think, is actually creating those spaces where we call out like vulnerability, we call out the empathy, and we say, like, hey, this is actually a good thing. Can you lead us through it? Um, I think it was Walter Brueggemann who said this, and it was it's a quote that's been sticking into my mind for the last few days, where the church shouldn't be the happiest place on earth. It should be the most honest place on earth. And I think shepherds are the ones that can help guide us to that kind of honesty mm. um, in a way that doesn't allow us to kind of implode or explode. You know what I mean? Like they allow us to sit with the, the honesty. And, um, you know, like I can't remember if it was somebody thinking about that thought or whatever. He's like, leave the happiest place up to Disneyland. They're going to do it way better than us. Um, but let's but let's do honesty well. Let's be the most honest places in our community because reality is it's the church is equipped and these gifts are here for a reason and they're actually going to lead us into that kind of space so i think we just if we if we if if like as apostles like apostles and prophets evangelists and teachers help to create those spaces it's going to empower shepherds specifically to be able to to guide us and lead us into that kind of honesty and um also say if if we're trying to create that room for the honesty the presence and something that's a little more um long-suffering or long-term it's not just the slowing down because i don't know if, if you've been in many uh, tense situations to where you say we're just going to take a pause and does anyone else have something to say that pause is um filled to the brim of unspoken things because everyone's they're not actually slowing down they're not actually pausing they're biting their tongues mm. in in the same way within the community to actually empower um just to say you're slowing down isn't quite enough. You have to give the person who is stepping in towards shepherding enough space for them to be able to fill it out. It's, it's not just holding your breath for a moment. It's trying to create it as a rhythm. Yeah. So basically like creating like the pause um, or what like the ancient traditions would call stachio, that moment of pausing in body, like actually creating space to embody it. Yeah. Right. Because like the idea of stachio or the pause is saying that we're going to pause long enough for us to transition from here to another space you know what i mean so like mm-hmm. what i hear you saying is is embodying that ancient tradition embodying yeah. that saying okay 
it's more than just taking three breaths and okay, cool, I'm holding on to all this stuff, but actually embodying that Allowing movement. yourself to, to step into something else. And and that pausing, as as he said, allows us to facilitate by being able to name because if you if you hold the space long enough for someone to start rising, you can name the person there, which helps facilitate because as you see these um, giftedness, this virtue rise in someone, you can invite them into that space, but they'll, they'll only come because the people who are caretakers, the people who um, are guarding the community, typically you don't force their way in. You can leave that to the more passionate, outspoken ones. Um, so, I'm sorry if your community is filled with apostles, teachers, or prophets because no one shuts up. <laughs> but the shepherd generally enters into the, the silence. It, it enters into that space, but it has to be held enough that they can trust that space is honestly given. Yeah. All right. We're approaching that time where we need to wrap things up. Um, but I just wanted to give us a moment, just like any closing thoughts, anything that kind of comes up before we close? Uh, not for me. Uh, the only thing I would do is offer an invitation. If this is something that sounds life-giving or something that you'd want to be around in person, we do meet every week, uh, Sunday evenings at 5 o'clock at 18625 Fraser Highway, Surrey, British Columbia. And the building we meet at is called Hope Church. So if you see it, you have... Hope Community Church. My apologies, Hope's Community Church. So if Google takes you there, you haven't hit the wrong place. We're a, a new church trying to reimagine what this community could be. And we'd love to have your voice present in the conversation as we dream about what could be. Definitely. So if you're local and want to join us, that's awesome. And also, if you want to fly in from anywhere in the world, we'd also love to have you come visit. So, yeah, hope to see you. Peace church and we rent the space from them and so it's a beautiful building uh we're great filled with great people at 5 p.m on sundays and when i say filled with great people you never know who will be present <laughs> and it's awesome <laughs>